0: The reading from God's Word is taken from the second letter of Paul to Timothy. We'll read from chapter 2, the first nine verses, and then from chapter 4, the first eight verses. 2 Timothy 2, starting at verse 1. So Paul is writing here to Timothy. Paul is in prison. He's coming to the end of his life. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. And then we go to chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And for the time is coming when people will endure not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander in, off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering text for this morning is 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. We'll read also the verse, the verse before and the verses that follow. We'll read 14 through 19, but verse 15 is the text. Starting at verse 14, "...remind them of these things, and charge them before God not to quarrel about words." which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. And then the text, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Himeneas and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that a resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's fir- firm foundation stands, bearing this seal The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, it's a special day today for you as congregation and for you as Chase family. For you as congregation, a new minister, a pastor and a teacher that will, the Lord willing, regularly be teaching and preaching the gospel. And for you, Brother Chase, a ministry, after many years of preparing, thinking about this, being examined, and here we are, you will be ordained. Wonderful. Look forward to this. You have been looking forward to this. And we all recognize this as a gift from the Lord. And that's why also we came to this day in a prayerful way. We recognize that he guides lives. He guides also the calling process. And as we stand today at the beginning of this new relationship between a new minister and a congregation, I'm sure we all have our expectations, our thoughts, our hopes, our wishes. You have them as congregation. You have them as pastor. We all look ahead. And perhaps you have all kinds of anticipation, perhaps you're a bit nervous, anxious, how will it go? In itself, it's not wrong to have these hopes, these expectations. We will hear this morning of a charge that is given to the minister and to you as congregation. So indeed, there are things that we need to do. But what is important is that as we have our expectations and as we begin working together as a minister and a congregation, we have proper expectations, realistic expectations. But at Chase, there's no perfect congregation. And you will not find one here in Alora either. And brothers and sisters, in Alora, there's no perfect minister. And you will not find him in Reverend Chase either. We have to be realistic. And how can we be? When we base ourselves on the word of God. For what binds you together is that eternal word, the gospel of our salvation. And also therefore our expectations from a minister, from a congregation are to be guided by that word. It's not about personal likes or dislikes. It's not about hobby horses or things that I think are important. It is about what the Master, the Lord, our God and Father brings to us, teaches us in His word. And that's why this morning we want to listen to one text. And there are many texts in the Bible that speak about the task of the minister. But we'll look at one text, and that speaks about the handling of God's word. And it instructs us to do it in the right, in the correct way. For when you do it in the correct way, then you can present yourself to God as a workman who is approved. And you're not ashamed of the work That you have done. So let us listen to what the text teaches us this morning. And I have summarized it under this theme rightly handle the word of truth. So it's the apostolic command to rightly handle the word of truth. Brothers and sisters, 2 Timothy is one of the last letters that Paul wrote. He is at this moment in prison. He's not in, under house arrest as in a previous imprisonment where he was in a house and was able to do a lot of things yet, receive people. He's now in jail. He's in chains. He's in a dungeon. And he knows that the end of his life is coming. We read about that in chapter verse 6. And as he is coming to the end of his life and he looks forward to the crown that is prepared for him by the Lord Jesus Christ, then he writes to Timothy. And Timothy was very close to Paul. He calls him his son to indicate the close spiritual connection Between Paul and Timothy, it was on his second missionary journey that Paul took Timothy along on his work. And at this point, uh, Timothy is working as a minister in Ephesus. And that was a city where Paul himself also had worked for a prolonged time on his third missionary journey. So he writes to his son, he he wants to share with him his situation, what is happening, his hope that he has, the, the comfort that he has even in the midst of these trials. But there's more to it as to why he is writing this letter. You see, Paul is also concerned about the congregation in Ephesus. He had worked there for some time. You may remember that, in Acts 20, when Paul is on the way to Jerusalem, he doesn't even go to the city of Ephesus, but he meets the congregation close by, and that he then warns them and says, there will come people out of your own midst who will try to deceive you. He calls them wolves. And they will come in the congregation trying to lead the congregation away to devour the congregation from amongst themselves. Well, that has happened. The church in Ephesus was dealing with false teachers. We read about that too in chapter two. They came with with nice sounding words, trying to influence people, trying to make their change their minds and to make their point. And that is why Paul is concerned. How will Timothy deal with this? Notice that in verse 14 and in verse 16, the two verses that are before and the after of our text, both deal with these false teachers. I remind them not to teach, to teach, charge them not to quarrel about words. So apparently that's what they were doing. They were quarreling with words, word plays, but that would ruin the hearers. And then in verse 16, he says, avoid irreverent babble. That will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And then he refers to two two people, Hymenaeus and Philetus, and it's like like gangrene. They're trying to destroy, to kill the body of the congregation. The church is under attack by these false teachers. And Timothy is a young man, perhaps even a bit shy, somewhat timid. So how can he face this? And, and, and Paul thinks about that as he is in jail. It's true that in your ministry, you can face things that really can make you shake and shake you up. It can be wonderful, can be really going well. There can also be things that really make you think about what am I into what do I have to do? And perhaps Timothy too has been wondering, how do I respond to this? These men like Hymenaeus and Philetus, they speak so well, they can come across so well. Uh, he's on timid himself, Timothy, he's young. What is the right thing to do? And then Paul, he says to Timothy, you know what the right thing to do is? That you handle the word of God correctly. Now, that's not the only answer. There's more to it. That's what he brings out in our text. Rightly handle the word of truth, Timothy, in that situation. Bring that word and work with it properly. So, what does that mean? To rightly handle the word of truth. And I'd like to start with that last expression. The word of truth. And that refers, of course, to the Bible, to the gospel, to the Word of God, there are many expressions that you find in the Bible about the Word of God. And here it is the word of truth. and in light of these false teachers, that's important, because they thought they brought the truth with their Babel, with their words. And now Paul says, Timothy you have to realize that the word that you are working with is the word of truth. It's not just a human opinion. It's not the opinion of some people who lived a long time ago. It is the word of truth, the word of God, the God of truth. Brothers and sisters, that is essential for ministry and for the ministry of the word. That you know what the word is, that as minister you know what that word is, and that it is indeed the truth that is revealed to us. And this congregation, you listen also with that in mind, and you stand together as minister and congregation on that same foundation. This is the word of truth, it is not just a human opinion. It's not a culturally bound statement that we have to massage in order to make it palatable for our time and our culture. It is the word of God for all times, for all people. And it has absolute authority. It determines what is truth or what is not truth. And that's why this morning we will ask also Brother Chase whether he accepts that word as the truth. There's a second question that we'll ask him. And when he says yes, that is true. And you know that that's the foundation on which you stand the word of truth. Now, that word has to be handled, it says here. Sound perhaps a bit strange that word handle. Literally, it says in the Greek to cut it straight. Some suggest it comes from uh, making roads, make sure that a road is straight, you cut us straight through the field or through the forest. Others suggest it comes from the construction industry, building, that you cut straight so it can be built properly. Some also suggest it comes from the world of sewing, that you cut material straight. And if you think of Paul being a tent maker, having to patch tents that were torn, And when you cut a piece out to put into the tent, it has to be straight. Otherwise, you have problems. Whatever the origin of this word, it has to do with something that is straight or right. So the emphasis in the text is on that word rightly or correctly. So you have to work with that word, yes, but you have to do it in the right way. Yes, it is indeed remarkable that the Bible here speaks about its own use. How we work with the word. How ministers work with the word. The word handle has in it the word hand. So you take that word in your hand, Or you can also say, God has given that word in the hands of people. And he wants that word to be administered, proclaimed, applied, preached. Oh yes, God's word is powerful. Yes, God's word is a power unto salvation. God can speak and things are there. We are in no way limiting the power of God's word. But in his wisdom, God has determined that for that word to come into your life, he gives to the church the office of the minister whose task it is to handle that word, to work with it. The Lord himself indicated that in Matthew twenty-eight when he gave his disciples the task to make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, well, just send our Bibles, which is good too, of course. But he said, no, you have to go in order to teach and to discipline them, to disciple them. So he places his word in the hands of people. And that's quite something for the Lord to do, because he knows that his hands are sinners' hands. But he says, I give that word to you, and you have to now be my mouth to my people, and through you, I'm going to feed my people. You have to explain that word, you have to apply that word, you have to work with it. Well, then you understand that the Lord is also very particular about the way in which that word is used and handled. And administered. And that's why the text says. You have to do it correctly. You have to do it rightly. So as you work. With the word. Make sure. You do it in the right way. And the right way. Is determined. By the one who gives that word. The word of truth. God. Himself. If you want to be a faithful servant, if you want to be a worker who's not ashamed to stand before his commander, then handle it rightly. So what does that mean? To handle it rightly. When do we handle it correctly? Well, you can think of the context again in which you find our text. These people who spoke many words but they did not do it correctly. And that's why Paul has judgments about it, like it's babbling, and and it just leads away from the truth, and it leads to ungodliness, irreverent talk. So incorrectly handling the word is when you use it for promoting your own ideas, for example. When you use it to promote your own glory. If you use it to bring about something that you think is important, but the Bible doesn't say that. When you you bring it as a message and it twists the Word of God, it makes it say something that it really doesn't say, then you are not handling it correctly. So what Paul is saying here, and what the text is saying here, is when you work with that Word, Make sure you work with it in the proper way. So there's more here than make sure you're faithful. That is also in the Bible. Be faithful in your preaching. Here it also points to the way you work with that word as you come to preparing sermons, as you prepare to preach them. What is the manner in which you work with it? on Monday, or on Tuesday, or on Wednesday, throughout the week, and you come to the point where you have to preach it. Well, says the Lord, do it correctly. That means do it in the way that I want you to speak, so that my congregation indeed hears my word, it's applied and explained as my word. And brothers and sisters, it is something that we have to pray for. As a minister as congregation and not just on saturday evening or sunday morning but throughout the week that god would give that your minister indeed by the spirit and by the guidance of the lord is handling that word correctly and for you brother it means that you're honest as you deal with the word that you listen to that word and that you let that word teach you what you have to do and that you follow the rules that you have been taught as you prepared yourself for this ministry because it is, after all, the word of truth that we bring. And to be able to say that this is the truth, you have to stand on that firm foundation and that is possible when you handle it correctly. You accept it In all that you do as the word of truth. Also when it goes against things that you may like or things that you think are important or when it may perhaps step on toes on peoples, it is the word of truth and apply it properly. That will take time. That will take a lot of effort. That takes a lot of out of you. That takes a lot of study. Notice that it begins our text... We're saying, do your best. And that indicates it doesn't come just like that. Not only does it take a long, quite a few years to, to, to come to the point where you can present yourself to classes. Now you're in the ministry. It will take every week again that work, that study. But let that be your goal. Give it your all. In all that you do, always think, I have to present that word as the word of truth, as the word of God, and that's how I have to handle it. That requires prayer, study, time, dedication, and as congregation, you also have to give your minister time for that so that he doesn't make shortcuts, but that he cuts a straight path through the Word. And He leads you along on that path, showing you the wonders of God's truth, the depth, the width, the height of God's mercy, so that you may come to know the God of truth, as that God of truth is concerned about your life and how you may live with Him and for Him. So that you can be a bulwark of the truth, in this world. Through the word. That is preached to you. That is what ministry. Of the word. Is about. That handling of the word. Every week. Every month. Every year. So that by the Lord's blessing. It will lead you. Through. That wonderful. Rich. Word of our God. Why is this so important? You could say that we've looked at the meaning of this this text. What does it mean to to handle the word uh, of truth correctly? There's also the motivation here in our text, and it's good to look at that as well. What is the motivation? And that is the master. Who commissions? We will ask Brother Chase this morning too. First question Do you believe it's the Lord Himself who calls you? Yes, it was through the congregation, but do you know it is the Lord Himself who calls you? He commissions you. To Him you are accountable, and before Him we all have to appear also as preachers. One day we have to come before our Lord. And give account of what we have done with his word. And so the text says well, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. That the master says, yes, good and faithful servant, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. You see, brothers and sisters, God is the ultimate judge, it is his word. And you are his congregation. Can I come before him. As a worker. Who is not ashamed. That's the point here. Now, it doesn't mean that. That a ministry is without sin. And the point is not. Have you never made a mistake. Done something wrong. We all do. But the point here is. Have you. Used what i 've given you in a way that is consistent with what I reveal in my word you haven 't cut corners you haven 't twisted my word like these false teachers they, they they talk a lot, but they have nothing to show for, them. like workers who 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 can talk a mile a minute, but then at the end of the day they haven 't done anything and This is a picture of one who brings that word, and that word has effect. It is the word of truth that is broad. And then you do not need to be ashamed that you know you've done what the Master told you to do. Let's reflect on this a bit more. Brothers and sisters, it is so important, it's so helpful, that in our text... God is the judge of what we do as minister, as congregation. Yes, you are called to serve a congregation. And serving means to bring that word, to apply it to their lives, to bring it into their lives so that they can work with it, benefit from it, be corrected by it, be comforted by it. But you do so as a servant of God. Oh yes, you are accountable to the elders, Brother Chase. You will sign the form of subscription and you will indicate that too. Because the care of the Lord over your doctrine, over your life, the Lord has given into the hands of these elders. But the norm by which we have to go is God's word He is the ultimate judge. And therefore, as you work on your sermons, and as you think about sermons, or talk about sermons, then you keep that in mind. Has the voice of the Master been heard? Was the Word handled correctly? It may offend you at times. It may cause you pain. And if there's some things in your life that are not right, then it's good. And take that also in thankfulness, in humility, in obedience. And so that together we may praise our God. And with that in mind, keep your minister in your prayers. So that he knows that he is supported by you as he handles the word. As he will face the Lord one day and will have to give account. It's a wonderful day today, I said at the beginning. It's true. For you as congregation, for you as minister, the Lord brings you together, the Lord binds you together. Brothers and sisters, the Lord gives His man to you, and he has led his life and guided him in all that he did because he wanted you to hear the word, the word of truth, the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. And with that in mind, we may look ahead. What do we expect? Well, the Bible says here, work with that word in the correct way. Brother Chase, keep that before you. Every day, every week. Congregation, hold them to that. Expect that of him. And receive him. And receive his word. As the word of truth. Rejoice when you hear that word. Coming to you. And brother Chase. That's what you may expect. Of the congregation. And then. Then we leave it to the master. To build the house. But well, that is the beauty in all of this. Although the Lord gives that word in the hands of frail sinners like us, He remains the Lord. We do our work and then we stand in awe and in deep thankfulness when we see Him continuing His plan. A plan that he already had ready before the world was made. Then already he knew that this brother was going to be your minister. To the praise of his glory as he takes you along to that day when everything will be full and perfect. Neither he who plans nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. And so together we may see that and rejoice how God uses us to glorify himself. From him it is, through him it is, to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Amen.